What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. Alright, let's get to it. Episode number 40 of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Can you believe we made it this far? I honestly cannot. CJ Palmasano here, uh, flying solo this week. Um, we hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, you're, that you, the past couple weeks have been good for you guys as we're gearing up to uh, the holidays coming up. Hope you all got your Cyber Monday and your Black Friday deals. I know I got some good stuff. For myself and for family alike, um, but we have a lot of ground to cover. There's been a lot happening the past couple weeks in the world of pro wrestling. Uh, the fallout of NXT Takeover War Games, uh, Survivor Series, were all the past couple weeks. Uh, SmackDown last week, NXT and AEW from the past couple weeks, um, and a few other stories that have been happening. Um, just so much has been going on, and I'm going to try and do my best to cover as much as I can with the time I have tonight. Um, recording this, and I do need to get up for my day job tomorrow morning. So let's just get right into it and talk and briefly talk about NXT TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series. going to try and blend these together. going to go through the biggest highlights of the night with these shows. Um... Kicking off things with the NXT, I'm sorry, with the Women's War Games match. Um, I gotta say, I really, really enjoyed this match. I loved it. Um, it was clear as day to me that when Mia Yim was taken out backstage, I knew it had to be Dakota Kai. I wasn't sure if they would pull the trigger on Dakota Kai heel turn, but... So soon. I thought maybe they would have milked it just a little bit, but I loved this. I loved that um, Dakota Kai, she took her place, she took uh, Mia Yim's place, and she brutalized her best friend, Tegan Knox. Brutalized her. As Rhea Ripley and Candice LeRae um, 
and then Kaylee Ray, Bianca Belair, and Io Shirai are in the ring, and they're just beating the ever-living crap out of uh, Team Ripley. I mean, Dakota Kai just took out Tegan Knox and gave a huge disadvantage to Team Ripley, and you really thought Shayna's team was going to win. But I got to say, they really... They, they hooked me, honestly. They hooked me. I really... I really uh, could sink my teeth into this match. I, I, you know, suspended my disbelief, and I really, really loved this match. Um, just because overall, Rhea Ripley is white hot right now. She is over as Rover. Everything you can say about Rhea Ripley, she, she is doing it. Rhea Ripley, I think at this point, is the one to take the title off of Shayna Baszler. She will be getting her NXT championship, uh, NXT Women's Championship match on the December 18th episode of NXT. And I have to say, I'm really looking forward to this episode because not only do we have that match, we have Leo Rush uh, defending the title, the NXT Cruiserweight Championship, I believe against, not Angel Garza... We'll get back to that later. I know Helio Russ is defending the title, but then we're also going to get an NXT Championship match with the winner of next week's triple threat match between Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, and Finn Balor. Um, they're really making this episode of NXT really must-see, but getting back into Wargames just a little bit, I mean, if you want to say that this was better than the men's War Games match, it's possible. I, to me, they were neck and neck. I really couldn't decide. I may have liked the women's match just just a little bit better, maybe, because I kind of felt like Team Champa was going to win the whole time because of that mystery, uh, mystery partner. I really did think that Shayna's team was going to win in the match, even though I had picked uh, Team Ripley. Uh, just, just the final spot where Ripley just she's handcuffed to Shayna Baszler. Baszler tries to get the co- uh, the Coquina clutch into Ripley, and she reverses it, spins around, hits the Riptide on the two chairs, pinning Shayna Baszler and getting the win. Y- another thing to re- remember here is that Rhea Ripley, I believe, is only 23 years old. I saw something on Twitter a while ago that says if Rhea Ripley was to stay with the WWE and make it all the way to WrestleMania 50, she would be how old Shayna Baszler is right now. And I looked it up. I knew Rhea Ripley. She's in her early 20s, Rhea Ripley. For those of you who don't know, Shayna Baszler is 39. She just turned 39 this year, and next year she will be 40 years old. She just got. She was very late into the wrestling game because she was an MM. She was in the MMA world prior to coming to pro wrestling. But that's incredible. For as good as Rhea Ripley is now, at such a young age, for as white hot as she is now, and she can continue to be with the WWE for NXT for years and years to come, for the next 15 years. 15, 20 years. I just think that she can do a lot, not only for the NXT NXT product, 
but for the main roster WWE product in the future. Right now, keep her NXT. Have her hold on to that title for a long time because I think it is time for Shayna to drop the title and move on to Monday Night Raw to feud with Becky Lynch because that's clearly what they've been trying to set up on TV and at Survivor Series. I think that one thing that they've done really well with the NXT... I've said how much I think the NXT women's, women's division is so great. They've done an amazing job of... <laughs> they've done an amazing job of building other women on the roster. When you look at the women on the NXT, uh, uh, the NXT women's ro- uh, roster, any woman you look at, nine times out of ten you can easily believe that they can be NXT Women's Champion. Rhea Ripley for one. Candice LeRae. Io Shirai. Bianca Belair. Tegan Knox, Dakota Kai. Mia Yim. All these women feel believable as NXT Women's Champion. Because for the longest time, it was just Shayna Baszler just dominating the women's division. In fact, the NXT Women's Division has not looked this good since the four horsewomen were in NXT. Charlotte, Becky, Sasha, Bailey. It has not be, it has not been this good since then and now it's even better. Because you have all these amazing talented women in NXT. And there's so many storylines going on because you obviously have the Rhea Ripley Shayna Baszler storyline. You have a storyline going on right now uh, which I believe with, with with Mia Yim and Dakota Kai, eventually Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. Uh, you can even do things with Candice LeRae and Dakota Kai, which was the match they had uh, last week. There's a lot of layers and there's a lot of depth in the NXT women's division. You can continue doing the feud even with Candice LeRae and Io Shirai that kind of popped up in my head recently. But there's a lot of things you can do. Just about every woman on the roster feels important. And everyone is believable that you can see them as champion at some point. So, I say in the past two months, with this whole Wednesday Night Wars, I have to say that NXT, it's still NXT Women's Division, is leaps and bounds better than AEW's. AEW is still working on their Women's Division, and not that it's not good, but it's just NXT have that over AEW. In a year from now, I could say AEW's, uh, AEW's women's division is probably better. Who knows? But right now, a, uh, NXT women's division is on fire, especially Rhea Ripley. And I cannot wait for Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley to have their match. And just, it's time. It's time for Shayna to drop the belt. Like, for good this time. For her to drop the belt, move on to, to better things, move up to the main, ro- uh, move across, rather, to the main roster, not up. Uh, to the main roster, and because clearly I can see they want to do a few with her and Becky Lynch, and they can do that all the way to WrestleMania of next year. I don't see it being as the main event, but definitely one of the marquee matches: Lynch versus Baszler. Another thing that happened: NXT Takeover War Games. Finn Balor had his first Takeover match, proper uh, NXT US Takeover match since NXT Takeover the End against Samoa Joe, losing the NXT title to him. First. NXT TakeOver match since he had his match against Jordan Devlin. NXT, the NXT UK TakeOver earlier this year. And uh, just NXT match in general. 
since his match with Shinsuke Nakamura. Yeah, that was a lot of facts as far as Finn Balor's matches in NXT. Um, I was a big fan of Finn Balor in his NXT run, and I'm a big fan of Finn Balor in his NXT run right now, uh, as he's clearly being he's clearly um, one of the top guys. Eventually, he's going to get that title back. I don't know when he will, but he for sure will get that title back. And I think you should keep Finn Balor in NXT for you know for a long, 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 long time. I think I had spoken with John. And I've spoken with Sean on here that you say about six months probably is a more likely outcome for Finn Balor. But honestly, he should just he should stay in there for a few years, stay in there for a few years, because I think he's doing the best work of his WWE run right now. I mean, it's we'll never know what could have been had he not gotten hurt in that Universal Championship match. Finn Balor, we all have to realize that he easily could have dropped the title to Goldberg or Brock Lesnar leading into WrestleMania 33. We have to realize that. As much as it sucked for Kevin Owens to drop the title to Goldberg, that easily could have been Finn Balor. But we will never know. But right now, I think it's okay. He's doing great right now. He's, he's The Prince is back, plain and simple. He had a really great match with Matt Riddle at uh, War Games. Obviously, that should have been Gargano, and the match would have been a hell of a lot better with Gargano. Not to discredit Matt Riddle. I think Matt Riddle's uh, fantastic, but it's what they had to do. But almost a blessing in disguise because what led to the mystery partner in Team Champa was Kevin Owens. Easily the biggest pop of the night. Easily the pop of the weekend was Kevin Owens coming down to the ring in his NXT shirt, in his the duct tape Kevin Owens NXT shirt, which I remember buying immediately when I when I first saw it. I some of my favorite guys in NXT's history and girls in NXT's history have been Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa. Alistair Black, Ricochet, the Undisputed Era as a whole, Shinsuke Nakamura, Samoa Joe, Finn Balor, but the guy, uh, Sami Zayn, but the guy who I was probably my favorite guy in NXT's when I was first starting to watch it, when it was really starting to get over, uh, really uh, starting to really get hot, was Kevin Owens because I remember the f- the first. Uh, takeover I had watched live from start to finish was the takeover where he debuted and I wasn't too familiar with his work in the indies at this point this uh, I, I've said in this podcast before that that takeover was the NXT takeover that made me fall in love with pro wrestling all over again because of just how good it was and Kevin Owens played a part in that to see him return to NXT in war games for Team Champa, it was so great to see him back. The moments he had in that match, where um, I don't remember which member of Era he hit, and he, and they uh, fell down. He's like, "Oh, did that hurt?" Uh, <laughs> you know, 
Kevin Owens, I mean, I really wish he went back to NXT. It doesn't look like he's going back. Uh, that sucks, but we'll have to wait and see. He very well always could come back because I still really want to see a feud between Adam Cole and Kevin Owens or, you know, maybe one day Kevin Owens joining the Undisputed Era. We'll never know. Um, but Kevin Owens um, had a great weekend, uh, NXT TakeOver War Games. Um, maybe not the best Survivor Series weekend. Because I had predicted that Kevin Owens was going was gonna to turn on Team Raw and he was just going to join Team NXT. Um, but maybe the War Games thing would have been a little better. Who knows? Um, I guess getting into I guess getting into uh, Survivor Series now. Just uh, Takeover War Games was one of my favorite pay-per-views of this year because of the War Games matches. Was it the best Takeover of the year? No, that for sure goes to NXT Takeover New York. But it was definitely up there. Maybe second best takeover of the year. Survivor Series was the following night, and this was a lot of fun too. And there were a lot of great matches on this show. The NXT women's women's team picking up the victory. Probably would have been better for me to pick NXT. Uh, I ended up picking SmackDown. Obviously, I was not right in that prediction, but I liked this. Um, there were some things, you know, I wasn't crazy about, you know. I like that they had Rhea Ripley again standing tall. She was the last one standing. She was the, the sole survivor. I didn't... I get the whole brand supremacy thing. You throw that out the window with the whole, like, oh, we were fighting before, but now we're... Oh, now we're cool. We're going to fight for NXT, blah, blah, blah. But I didn't like the fact that Io Shirai and Candice LeRae were the ones who came down and distracted and acted like heels. Candice LeRae and Io Shirai have been having a feud for a majority of this year. They had a, an amazing takeover match in Toronto, and they went to, to hell beating the crap out of each other the, the previous night in War Games. Had it been maybe Tony Storm and Candice LeRae... Or Bianca Belair and Io Shirai. Hell, maybe even Candice LeRae and Bianca Belair I would have been okay with better. But Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, this is just me nitpicking. I didn't like that it was them who came down to try and make the save for the sake of NXT when they were taken out in the match. I really just didn't like that to play possum and then they come back. I, I, I just didn't like it because... It's a similar thing with Johnny Gargano and Tommaso Ciampa when they were in the middle of this blood feud that they were going to culminate at this past takeover and takeover New York for WrestleMania weekend. They just called them up and said, uh, pretty much Vince, like, oh, they were a tag team, so put them together as a tag team. When it just didn't make any sense at all for those two to be a tag team. So that's just my thing. When I, I that's what I don't like when the whole main roster and NXT storylines get blended together and they have the little negatives like that. That's what I just didn't like. But overall, the match was good. Other matches I liked in this show, uh, I really enjoyed Pete Dunne and and uh, Adam Cole. This match was absolutely amazing. For sure, I just have to say, uh, match of the year contender. Maybe Pete Dunne's best match of the year. Um, maybe. Maybe his one with Walter was better. Uh, but I love this match. Uh, I mean, Pete Dunne is a guy who you can always count on having a great match with just about 
anybody. Literally anybody. Uh, just now a, a pure uh, staple of the main NXT brand. And I think that eventually Pete Dunne will be NXT champion. Hell, he can become NXT champion sometime next year. I don't know who the, who will be the one to take the title off Adam Cole, but Pete Dunne is for sure a guy who... It was smart of them to move him to the main NXT brand because you're going to need as much star power as you can get. Uh, other matches that were great... Um, Roger Strong versus AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, to, to comment briefly on the new Intercontinental Championship, I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I think it's just fine. I know John uh, has a different opinion of the title. He absolutely hates it. Um... I mean, fans have been saying for a long time that the U.S. title needed a, a redo, a remake. Um, I don't hate the U.S. title either, but it could look a lot better. Uh, and that's just what I thought with this one. Um, I Was it time for a change? Maybe. I don't know. But I just prefer that white strap of the Intercontinental Championship, the classic look, the one that Cody brought back. Cody Rhodes commented on himself on Twitter because the fans said, like, you know, is there any conspiracy that maybe they changed this because Cody was the one who brought it in? And he replied to the fan on Twitter and just said, nope, I think probably just time for a change. Uh, Don't think it has anything to do with anything personally. You know, good on them. And just, you know, pretty much just putting putting it over and saying, like, you know, change is okay. Nothing wrong with it. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with the belt itself, but... Personally, I'm just not a fan. Uh, I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's just kind of there. It really didn't need to change. I will miss the classic Intercontinental title belt with the white strap. I just thought that for years that had been my favorite looking title for a long time in the WWE. But I was right on this one. Roderick Strong came in being a sneaky, sneaky little bastard, and he won the match. I believe it was Styles who hit a Styles Clash or a... A uh, phenomenal forearm, throwing AJ out of the ring, getting the pin over Nakamura. Uh, I love that a lot. I was I was a little mad that the tag match got uh, sent up to the pre-show, but we knew eventually one match had to be doing that. Um, I think that was the only match that Raw won for the Viking Raiders picking up the victory. Um, to be honest, that was a match I missed. I did not get to see that match, and I still have not seen that match back, but I, I want to say I think the O'Reilly and Fish took the, took the fall on that one. I don't know, to be honest. Um, I'm just going to try and wrap up Survivor Series a little quickly here. I'm, apologies if it seems a bit rushed here. Uh, I do have to get up super early for my job tomorrow, and I do I, and I wanted to get something out this week, so we're not have nothing out. Um... Going, uh, moving forward throughout the night. Let's try and see what else happened here. The, I guess we'll move on to the title matches. We had uh, the Fiend Bray Wyatt versus Daniel Bryan. So, the red light staying, I guess. I hate that. I really, really do. I really don't think the red light needs to stay. I think the 
The spotlight worked perfectly for his de- re-debut at Survivor uh, uh, SummerSlam. Um, at least he still has the, the the Bray Wyatt head in the lantern. At least he still has that. The blue Universal Championship doesn't necessarily really fit the Fiend and all that. Had um, the Fiend stayed on Raw and whatever, being the Universal Champion, I would say that the red Universal Championship suits him more. But um, but yeah, Daniel Bryan and uh, AJ, uh, AJ Styles. Daniel Bryan and uh, Bray Wyatt had one hell of a match. Seth Rollins had recently commented on WWE backstage that the red light made it very difficult for him and Bray to have that match, and he didn't know that that, that was staying. But um, because you're, your eyes kind of get tricked, your mind gets tricked with the red lights, and you're not really sure where someone is, how close or how not close they are. Um, and fair play, because I think that that's, it, it just looks difficult to have a match in there. But Brian and Bray had a really, really great one. Again, Bray Wyatt is just, he is just doing the best character work, I think, in all of pro wrestling right now. Bray Wyatt is the best character wrestler in the world right now. Um, there was something I saw a while ago that The Fiend has, has been doing so, uh, something to people. He faced Finn Balor. Finn Balor went back to being the prince of being Prince Devitt. He faced Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins kind of went back to being the suit-wearing heel Seth Rollins he was back in 2014 to 2015. He faces Daniel Bryan, who goes back to being full-blown Yes Movement Daniel Bryan. Every person The Fiend has had a match with, he's had history with, and he's been making them go back to what they were before. And I don't know if that's something Bray Wyatt has been pushing for or if that's just kind of like a a coincidence. I don't know, but I love that theory so much. I didn't even think about that. Every person and every person Bray's been having a match with, he has history with. So I can't wait to who he faces next. But um, this match was a lot of fun. This Brian uh, uh, Fiend match. Again, the character stuff that Bray is doing is just absolutely amazing. You thought for a split second Brian could have won, but we all knew Brian was going to win. I'm just glad that, that it was a definitive victory for the Fiend and not like a Daniel Bryan disqualification. I'm just glad that happened because you can't belittle the Fiend. You have to make him look strong and... I think they learned after the whole mess that happened at Hell in a Cell that they need to make him look really strong. But um, get rid of the damn lights. Get rid of the damn red lights. Get rid of it in the match. Get rid of it for his entrance. Bring back the spotlight. The spotlight was perfect. Sorry, my little rant on that is over. Um, Brock Lesnar versus Rey Mysterio was a lot of fun. Um... I was expecting a Cain Velasquez uh, interference, but I guess not. Um, I loved the that Dominic actually got to do some wrestling moves, and it uh, goes to show that he's probably going to be wrestling for the WWE at some point. He probably will. 
Uh, there's rumors that they're going to be doing some kind of angle with him and Ray at WrestleMania, and I guess Ray's going to pass on the mask to Dominic, and he's going to be called, I think they trademarked the name Prince Mysterio, which, um, you know, I remember hearing uh, Ray Mysterio talking on Edge Christian's podcast how he wanted to take Dominic uh, to all different parts of the world and have him train under guys like, you know, Lance Storm. He trained with Jay Lethal. Have him go to uh, Japan. Uh, have him go to Mexico with him and train with him there. Ray trained Dominic, but uh, it was really cool to see the, the uh, Ray and Dominic work together and kind of try and beat down Brock Lesnar couldn't do it, but the match was pretty fun. Um, but I do want to get into depth with this next match. The Men's Survivor Series match. This had a lot of great moments, some bad moments, and some moments that left you scratching your head. Moments that left you scratching your head were for sure Kevin Owens getting pinned by Tommaso Ciampa. It was for sure that moment where he wasn't sure if he should go Frog Splash Champa or if he should go Frog Splash Shorty G, which he ended up choosing Chad Gable. But it made kind of no sense that Champa just kind of turned on Kevin Owens the, follow- the following night after they just fought together in war games. It's, it's, to me, that didn't make much sense. But um, Seth Rollins that night was the new Roman Reigns. Um, but I think what we all need, what we all saw, and what I loved, you know, I, I didn't really, I, I wasn't crazy about Roman winning, but the, you know, the acknowledgement and the respect after to this man, Keith Lee, my God, Keith Lee arrived Survivor Series weekend, and I have said before how much I think Keith Lee was underutilized, now he wasn't doing anything, and I really wish they did more with him. I'm glad that Keith Lee is now one of the top guys, one of the more prominent guys on the NXT roster, because he cleaned house. He was amazing at Survivor Series. If you didn't know who Keith Lee was after this weekend, and if you're a wrestling fan, you sure as hell know who Keith Lee is now. And I hope that whoever didn't know who Keith Lee was, and if they didn't really watch NXT, I hope they watch NXT and they are fans of Keith Lee. Because Keith Lee has been doing things... He The man does things that no one else his size would do. He does moonsaults. He does flips outside into outside over the top rope the man truly is limitless and he has been some one of my favorite parts of NXT and one of my favorite parts of the Survivor Series weekend Keith Lee I've was heard there's a report that Vince is big on Keith Lee and that's not a surprise I mean look at the guy he's big and you know Vince McMahon likes big sweaty men, <laughs> as the age-old song goes. Um, but Keith Lee for sure arrived Survivor Series weekend, and I think it's some. And I may make make a bold prediction, and I say Keith Lee will win the triple threat next week between him, Finn Balor, 
and Tommaso Ciampa and go on to face Adam Cole in two weeks for the NXT title. Will Keith Lee beat Adam Cole? I don't know. But I think for sure you have to take advantage of the 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 hot streak that Keith Lee is on in order to make him still look really good. So I say put Keith Lee in the main event of NXT that Wednesday, the 18th of December, and have him face Adam Cole for the title. Um, again, a lot of interesting stuff has been happening. Um, Seth Rollins has apparently turned heel, but after this past week, he may have not turned heel. I don't know. Um... Because you saw uh, the week, pro- the the night after Survivor Series, he ran down the Raw locker room, and he just pretty much told everybody, "You all sucked. You all dropped the ball, and you all sucked." Running down everybody, saying how bad they were, and Rey Mysterio saying how I think Rey, you dropped the ball. You dropped the ball more than anybody. I beat Brock Lesnar twice, and you couldn't beat him once. And with a with a steel pipe and your stupid kid helping you. Meltzer has reported that Rollins as a heel is supposed to be a delusional babyface, thinking that he's doing the right thing when really he's when he's he's not. Um, which is why I think he still worked as a babyface in the match with Kevin Owens. The thing is, is that I think they're really trying to make you guess. Will will he or won't he? And obviously, I think will he. Uh, he will become. I think, he, and I think he already is a heel. The AOP beat up Kevin Owens after uh, during his match with Seth Rollins last week on Raw, not this past week, but last week. And Kevin Owens had beaten, not beaten, but had gotten beaten up by the AOP. Seth Rollins claims that he has nothing to do with the AOP, and he, he wants nothing to do with the AOP. But we'll see about that. I think that Rollins will show his true colors, and he will have the AOP as his muscle. A new shield, almost. I mean, they already got the, the gear for it. Um, but, Seth, but Seth Rollins, I think the time... I've been saying this for a long time. The, t- the time for Seth Rollins to turn heel should have happened already. And he should just be a heel. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't think Seth Rollins, especially with him as the man, the guy on top, I don't think he should be the top babyface. When they let him be who he was as a babyface a year ago, as that Seth Rollins, then for sure, yeah, that Seth Rollins can be a top babyface. The way Seth Rollins has been lately with his booking, I don't think so. And I don't think he can be the top babyface as long as WWE get, get, try to overproduce him. Can he be a top heel on Raw? Absolutely. He's, we've seen him be a heel and be a, the top heel in the entire company, and that's where I think Seth Rollins can truly shine. And I, and I honestly, and I, I've seen, I think Seth Rollins' better better work is him as a heel. I prefer him as a heel rather than as a babyface. But I think very soon they'll pull the tri- fully pull the trigger on Seth Rollins, and he will turn heel. 
if he hasn't already, but I think he has. I don't know. They just kind of made this very confusing. They kind of make trying to make you guess: has he turned heel? Has he not turned heel? Who knows? We'll we'll find we'll we'll soon find out. But um, going back to uh, the fiend, we saw that Bray Wyatt has introduced a new face to the Firefly Funhouse. Uh, Firefly Firefly Funhouse. Jesus Christ! I can't talk tonight. And that would be the Fiend having his own Universal Championship. At first when I saw this, I thought, my God, this is friggin' ugly. This is horrible. This is ugly. But then I had to think. This is the Fiend. The Fiend shouldn't care about having the Universal Championship. The actual Universal Championship. He shouldn't care about having it look nice or having it, you know, be really cool looking. He should have something that's ugly. And I've thought about it, and you know what? I think the this Universal Championship, I think it suits him. It's just the Fiend's face, and it has hurt and heel written all over it. It's, um... I think for the Fiend bringing out the ti- that title... I like it. I think it works. I do. I really do think it works. For um, Bray holding the real, the actual title, and the Fiend holding this title, I like it a lot. Who takes that title of Bray Wyatt? We don't know yet. We're not sure. If we're to believe the uh, reports, apparently it's going to be Roman Reigns. But that is a rant I cannot afford to do tonight. <laughs> Um, if you think about it, Bray Wyatt's title, eh, I've said all I can say about it. Anyway, but the crazy thing about it is, is that they are selling this championship, this replica championship belt, on WVShop.com for, like, over $6,000. And with taxes and shipping, it comes over. Like I think it's like sixty five hundred, and it comes to about seven thousand dollars. Who the hell in their right mind would pay seven thousand dollars for that title? Don't get me wrong. I put the I just put the thing over and think it looks cool for Bray Wyatt, but I'm not gonna pay freaking seven thousand dollars for that. No way. I don't even know if they've if they charge something that much for a replica championship. I don't know why. Hey, to each his own. If you have the money, you want to spend it. Whatever, dude. Go right ahead. But for me, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of things you can spend seven thousand dollars on than just that championship. Oh my God. Um. But I'm glad that the Fiend has his own championship. I am glad about that. I just don't think the replica title is worth the money. <laughs> um, I think uh, what else we should move on to. Um, very briefly, though, I do want to talk about something that's uh, a little serious. Um, and it happened over Survivor Series weekend. I kind of want to talk about 
everything that's going on with WWE that I can try and uh, talk about and Survivor Series, NXT, and all those things. A uh, The old elephant in the room, even though it's kind of blown over, but I do want to discuss it. The Mauro Ronaldo and Corey Graves situation. Now, for those of you who may not be aware, Mauro Ronaldo uh, has bi- bipolar disorder. And he is... And he is... Uh, it's a serious mental health issue. And if you watch his documentary Bipolar Rock and Roller, Rock and Roller, you may have a different opinion of mental illness and all of that. And uh, Mauro Ronaldo has been through a lot in his life. Um, he has attempted to kill himself many times. He's been admitted into mental hospitals. It's something he's been struggling with almost his entire life. And you wouldn't think that a guy is as good as he is as at his job and charismatic and just so full of life as he is doing what he loves to do would have this kind of um, illness and you, you don't think any really you don't like to think anybody to have these kind of illnesses but but they're in the world and mental health is a very serious thing nowadays um, and it's well documented how serious his mental health uh, situation is Corey Graves decides to put out a tweet uh, that says hey guys you wouldn't know it but if you act, but if you actually listened, there is actually a WWE Hall of Famer and a former Ring of Honor World Champion trying to talk. Just a thought. Hashtag Energy Takeover War Games. This set off uh, uh, Morrow. Now, granted, it may not be something so super offensive. It may not be something so horrible, but tomorrow, in this documentary, he has said things like, uh, like after performance, he says like, oh God, I was the shits. That was effing, effing horrible. I should just kill myself. I'm not good at this job. Why do people think I'm good? I'm... He, after he just called a, a great a great match or a, or a, or a or an MMA fight i i believe he maybe called a, a boxing match maybe and he was saying how much he hated it and and the i believe it might have been uh, a Pacquiao fight or a Mayweather fight or something and he was on fire like he always is and he just was so judgmental of himself and it was so hard on himself, on himself and after I watched that documentary, I, I grew a great respect for Mauro Ronaldo, even more. I was a big fan of his discovering who he was and just thought, man, this guy's the best commentator 
in the world today, the best play-by-play commentator in pro wrestling right now, and he truly is. Um, so, for a co-worker like Corey Graves to openly take a jab at Mauro Ranallo, at a co-worker, and a co-worker who, who suffers from serious mental illness, which is completely documented, something the WWE took time to promote when it came out, where this guy almost left the company for bullying, being bullied by JBL. Which is why he's in NXT, so he's not to deal with stuff like this. It had been reported that from Meltzer that Corey Graves claims that he was trying to, quote, work an angle because of Survivor Series weekend. And that apparently some people in WWE claim that Graves was the victim and he was the babyface in all this. Where Mauro was, quote, in rough shape. I understand you have to try and take some criticism here and there. And I had said to Joe, our good our good friend of the podcast, that he has he says, you know, there has to be a little something give and take with Morrow here, you know, he can't just up and leave because he can't take a little criticism. And I said, I think he can take criticism because if if he didn't, then he would then he'd delete his Twitter for any negative things someone would say to him on social media. It's the fact that it came from a co-worker, that it came from someone who publicly, who he works with, who publicly took a shot at him. Maybe it may not have been so offensive to an, to an average person, but to him, he took offense to it. And prior, Corey Graves had tweeted that something from Ice-T, along the lines of pretty much saying, people should be punched in the face for taking advantage of social media, for, not, for, for using it as an excuse for being an asshole. Corey Graves tweeted that an hour and a half before he tweeted that thing about Mauro Ranallo. Frank Shamrock, who is Mauro's uh, manager, he replies to Corey Graves with that tweet and says, what are you trying to say, Frank? He says, like, it's, uh, again, paraphrasing here because I think the tweets have since been deleted. Um, he goes, not my tweet, yours. Just, just trying, you know, Make you eat your words, whatever he said. Um, Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez had discussed about it when it first happened, and Corey Graves doubled down on this and saying, Dave Meltzer, you false, you liar, you know, you call yourself a reporter, yet you can't find my number. And Dave had replied and said, Okay, since we're on day three of this, could you at least take down the tweet or at the very least apologize tomorrow? Because. Meltz, all Meltzer was doing is that he was talking about it with Brian Alvarez and he reports these things. And not for anyone to get misconstrued what Dave Meltzer is doing. Dave Meltzer is not trying to stir shit. He's not trying to stir up controversy. He is a very well-respected reporter in the world of pro wrestling. He has multiple sources and nine times out of ten, he is correct. He owns up when he's, when he's wrong about things. But this was something that Corey Graves did publicly, and him and Brian Alvarez talked about it on the Wrestling Observer radio show. 
and Corey Graves is trying to make it seem like that Dave Melcher is talking shit about Corey Graves, which I didn't like at all. Eventually, Corey Graves, quote, apologized to Mauro Ranallo. I initially read read it, and when you read something, your perspective of things, you can't hear the tone of voice how someone is. So you don't know if they sound genuine, uh, disingenuous, disingenuine, you know, or they don't mean what they say, rather, for what I'm trying to say. When I read it initially, I was like, oh, Corey apologized. Cool. But I heard what he said on the podcast. And it wasn't more of an, I'm sorry, I truly am sorry about what happened. It was more of a, oh, I'm sorry I got caught. Overall, Maronella returned to NXT TV this week, and he's doing much better, which I think is the main thing about the main thing here is that Maro's doing okay. I just wanted to get my two cents in all that. If you th- if you thought Maro's actions were justified, or what Corey said wasn't that bad, just my whole thing is don't mess with people with mental health issues. Don't mess with them. Especially with someone who's well documented as Mar as Mar Ronaldo. Just my take. And I'm just I'm just a big fan of Mar Ronaldo, and I don't want him to leave NXT or leave the WWE because he, you know, he'll leave NXT. I don't know what he'd go back to Bellator or, or wherever, but he's he's doing amazing work. I just want him to stay. Um, I guess with all the WWE talk I've been doing, I guess it's now time to move on to AEW. So it seems that we're going to be getting Chris Jericho versus John Moxley at the eventual next pay-per-view for AEW. And you know what? That makes all the sense in the world. John Moxley is white hot right now. He makes the most sense for me to face Jericho for the AEW championship. Will Moxley beat Jericho? I actually think he's a pretty good shot. I think he's got a good shot of being of beating Chris Jericho. Because I'm sure Moxley has attracted a lot of main roster or WWE fans over to AEW because he is a big name. And at least fans who have been watching for like the past five years know who the character of Dean who know the wrestler Dean Ambrose said, Oh, he's wrestling in this place called AEW. I gotta go check that out. Chris Jericho's there too? I gotta go check it out. Um Moxley, John and I talked about how he had a, a great match with Darby Allen. He had another great match this past week with uh, Joey Janela. Chris Jericho, the week prior, he walked down the stage and stared down Chris Jericho. This past week, Jericho came down, I'm sorry, in the stands with the fans, uh, standing, Jericho was there with the rest of the inner circle, staring down Moxley after Moxley had just beaten Joey Janela. Um, I mean, with AEW taking wins and losses seriously, um, John Moxley's record stands. I think he is the number one guy right now other than Pac. I think the th- another thing to see- to take here is that even though the unsanctioned uh, matches don't necessarily count towards the record, they do also kind of take into account of it's not just straight a oh, win-loss, you know, whereas like someone could be having great matches, but, but their win-loss record isn't that great and they have some great, win- uh, great matches and wins here and there. 
they have kind of said that it's the significance of the opponent, the quality of the match, and um, how hard fought it is. So it's not completely taken. So it's a little bit of wrestling, like, uh, thinking, but also still trying to play that realism in there, which which I like. And as far as the the unsanctioned matches, I've said that they, they're kind of taking it a little too seriously, the Lights Out matches, but I like that when it comes to the, the uh, records of everything. Um... John Moxley now and Chris Jericho now can have a much different match than what they've had in the past. I'm not sure what kind of match they would have. Probably wouldn't be like a hardcore match or anything. But I think John Moxley is the clear-cut next opponent for Chris Jericho for the AEW title. And speaking of Chris Jericho, you can now get your own little bit of the bubbly champagne bottles at a little bit of the bubbly.com no I didn't get one <laughs> um, <coughs> excuse me um, so Chris Jericho can literally put anything out and people will buy it the man is a genius we cannot deny that the man is a genius he's a genius at at branding himself, marketing. He's a genius in pro wrestling. He knows what he is doing, and that's why we have said here that he is probably the greatest of all time. Hard to argue that he's not. But he had a great segment this past week on AEW where Big Hurt, uh, Jake Hager, came down to the ring with him, and he had his uh, pretty much his list of Jericho. I don't remember what he called it, but a list of guys that he did not that he will refuses to wrestle for the rest of 2019. And I'm trying to pull it up here because how he delivered it in his promo was absolutely hilarious. So he called it the lexicon of the champion. And uh, people started chanting list of Jericho. And he's like, really? Come on. That's so 2016. So he said the list of people, the lexicon of the champion of people, people he refuses to wrestle in 2019. John Moxley, Cody Rhodes, Young Bucks, Papa Buck, Uncle Buck, Buck Owens, Moxley, Hangman Page, Diamond Dallas Page, Page, yes, that Page from the WWE, Moxley, Scorpio Sky, Too Cool, Too Cool Scorpio, any member of the Scorpions, Moxley, Michael Nakazawa, Kenny Omega, Kenny Ortega, Kenny Shields, Kenny Chesney, Kenny from South Park, Moxley, the chubby guy over there with the popcorn in the fifth row, the ugly guy with the dumb glasses over here in the third row, Moxley, Darby Allen, Rick Allen, Allen Jones, Yes, that's AJ Styles. Moxley, Evil Uno, Angry Dose, Hateful Trees, Moxley, Marty. Now, I think he had gotten cut off at that point from Jurassic Express, but I don't know if he was going to say Marty Janetti or Marty Skrull, but we'll 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 see. Um, that was re- it's just that was just that was just hilariously done by Chris Jericho. Um, Jurassic Express coming to the ring, and you're gonna get. We're gonna see Jungle Boy Jack Perry versus Chris Jericho next. Uh, not next week, in two weeks. Uh, for AEW, and I love seeing Jericho work with these younger guys to really put them. Not he. 
they're, I don't think he's necessarily put them over in the fact where you know they're gonna get the win over him, but they're gonna, but he's gonna make them look really good. His match he had with Darby Allen back in Philly in October was really good, and it made Darby Allen look fantastic. And I think he'd do the same for for Jack Perry, Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Um, he is the kid is like 23, 24 years old, you know. Something Jericho has said that's missing in wrestling are, you know, young teenage heartthrobs for, you know, for younger gir- uh, for, for teenage girls or girls in their 20s to get into, you know, good-looking guys to become fans of in pro wrestling. You have that in Jungle Boy. Um, you know, you have that in uh, Darby Allen, I guess, for more of emo and goth girls. I don't know what Darby Allen's whole... Th- gimmick is, I guess, but I just think he's a cool wrestler. You know, younger guys who can bring that audience into uh, AEW. And um, Jungle Boy will look great in this match because Jericho Jericho knows how to make someone look good even if even though they may not get the victory. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that match. Uh, while still on the topic of Chris Jericho, the segment he had last week prior uh, with the inner circle uh, having his dad <laughs> be out there uh, and the uh, cutout of him and Sammy Guevara just hugging each other where those memes are everywhere just look up Sammy just look up Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho memes and you'll find a whole bunch just just go to Jericho's Instagram and you will find a whole bunch of hilarious memes with Sammy Guevara and Chris Jericho with that cutout they used um I loved how uh, Jericho's dad just ran down uh, the state of Chicago, and I am completely blanking here. And Jericho's dad played for the uh, the Rangers. His name, Ted Irving. That's it, Ted Irving. I can't believe I forgot that. Ted Irving was just running down, running down Chicago, running down the Blackhawks. Uh, you had uh, Jake Hager ringing a goat, which the poor thing was so scared, the goat, and said, uh, it's for you. Her name is Chris Jerigoat. <laughs> oh, man. I guess things to take with uh, any, with uh, AEW going on right now is that uh, Santana and Ortiz are currently the AEW number one... The, they're the number one contenders for the AEW tag team titles, um, and that makes no sense. They're the um, they have the top ranking right now, and honestly, I feel like they are the ones to take the tag titles off of SCU. Um, I don't know what it is about the Lucha Bros. They're kind of losing a little steam. Not to say that they're not you know not hot or anything. They're not a great tag team because they are, but I think that. They uh, Santana and Ortiz are on a roll right now, and I think they should really be the ones to take the NXT Tag Team titles off of SCU. And um, and SCU, uh, Scorpio Sky having a great match with Chris Jericho for the World Championship, giving him a big rub. Again, it's guys, younger guys who are getting an opportunity to work with Chris Jericho and they're learning a lot and they're making them make he's making them look good. Even though he may not even though he may be winning these matches, Chris Jericho is making these guys look really, really good. 
Um, we had the debut of The Butcher, The Blade, and The Bunny. A new group in AEW. Uh, the the uh, Allie is obviously uh, The Bunny. She's been known as The Bunny back in Impact. The Butcher, I believe, is... Um, and I can't believe this is real, but As I Lay Dying guitarist, the, the guitar player from the band As I Lay Dying. Now, I don't know too much about them. It was revealed in a video on uh, AEW's Instagram that MJF had hired them to attack them. Big surprise. MJF had won this, this, uh, this new ring in the uh, tournament in the uh, from the Battle Royal the week prior beating uh, Hangman Page in the following week in the match. If I'm sounding disoriented and strange, I'm sorry. It's getting late for me. Yeah, the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. They debuted. Attacking Cody Rhodes. Uh, Allie is their, clearly their mouthpiece, and she has said that we are tired of your hypocrisy, and we are here to make things right in AEW. So, I still say Cody Rhodes is probably the best babyface in pro wrestling right now because, cutting another great promo, pretty much telling MJF, what do you want, Max? You want my car, you want my shoes, you want my watch, you want money, here's $50,000 cold hard cash. You want money, name your price. You say you never wrestle me. I will do whatever I can to make sure I wrestle you and I and I get my hands on you. Just Cody Rhodes unscripted. Just cuts great promos. Again, I'm paraphrasing here. But I always look forward to Cody in an in-ring segment. Promos are passionate. They feel real. There's not a single thing where you're just like, eh, I don't believe what he's saying. You, you believe what Cody Rhodes is saying when he's talking. And... Um, We saw, I know I'm all over the place here, guys. Forgive me. Um, We saw in the opening match with uh, the Young Bucks, Dustin Rhodes against Santana, Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara. I liked the whole getup that Dustin had, matching with the Young Bucks. That match was a lot of fun. Getting in and uh, (laughs) uh, getting the victory over the inner circle. Doesn't really hurt Santana or Ortiz or anything, but we did get a major botch from the television production team. You heard uh, uh, Ortiz go, "You suck my d," <laughs> but the censor was right after he said it. <laughs> um, as far as match qualities went this week, um, they were good. But I do think uh, NXT had that over AEW this week. Because I did like the match between Trent and Phoenix. That was fun. 
Um, Pentagon and Christopher Daniels. Man, that, that match just never got going. I mean, it had its moments. It was good in some places, but the but man, the, the botch from Christopher Daniels, that was just... That was hard to watch. It really was. Um, I think he was trying to go for the best moonsault ever onto Pentagon, but he, he just slipped and landed right on his shoulder. Um... And this is a match when I saw it. I'm like on paper, and I was like, "Oh man, this looks really, really good. Looking really, really forward to this. Looks like a lot of fun." But uh, yeah, it just it just kind of underdelivered, and I was a little bummed out by that. But nevertheless, um, I'm sure at some point they'll have a match down the line again, and then we'll see a better Christopher Daniels versus Pentagon match. It could be because Christopher Daniels has been working in a while. I don't know. Sometimes guys just don't click in the ring. Sometimes it takes a few matches for them to work things out and click. Um, as far as what else happened at AEW, can't think too much. Overall, this was just an average episode of AEW. Maybe, not to say it was a horrible episode, but they're maybe their worst episode yet. Again, the show's still early. But um, but it wasn't it wasn't that great of an episode. Joey Janela and Dean and Dean Ambrose, Joey Janela and John Moxley was probably the best match of the night, and it was a lot of fun. Um, I, for the life of me, I cannot recall if Pac had a match. I don't think he did. Um, Hangman Page wasn't there this week, so uh, yeah, the AEW was all right this week. I think NXT won it this week. I think they had the better episode. Um, but yeah, I think that. Move with what's going to be happening moving forward for these two companies. I know there was recently an, uh, a commercial where AEW took a shot at NXT, but apparently AEW that wasn't AEW's call to take the shot at NXT in this commercial. That was more of TNT's call to make the shot. To make, to make that shot at NXT, which I think quote says AEW crushes NXT, which from a network perspective and ratings I can see, but um, one thing I'm really glad AEW is not doing is that they're not trying to do something big every week to try and make oh my god we gotta, gotta try and get people back for 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 watching AEW. I think. They, it shows they are not booking week to week and they are doing things slowly and they are doing long term storytelling and they are booking long term whereas WWE you see that they do have they do it, it's clear as day they book week to week and they don't know what the hell they're doing that's why it's always nice to see comp- the companies like a to see a company like AEW doing this. I think it's a slow build. Sure, this episode may not have been great, but next week can be great, and the week after that, after that, maybe the next two episodes are just okay, and then a few weeks from now we have this amazing episode where everything just goes perfectly. We don't know, but I prefer long-term storytelling over you know 
booking week to week, and then I'm just completely insulted by my intelligence by watching what's in front of me. And I don't feel that when I watch AEW. I don't feel that when I watch NXT. But looking at what I've written down here to talk about, I don't think I have much else to say. Um, anyway, guys, um, I guess that'll do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Um, you know, hope you guys, again, had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you guys uh, are having a good couple weeks. Um, we were leading up to uh, TLC next Sunday. Um, yeah, I forgot TLC was next Sunday, too, this past week, but uh, it's coming. I really don't know what the matches are. I think Rusev and Bobby Lashley will have a match or something, but we will soon find out. Um, yeah, so uh, again, listen to us on any pa- podcast platform you can find us at. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Anchor.fm. Uh, I believe we're on... I don't think we're on Stitcher. Maybe we might be on Stitcher. Um, just, But I know those are the main ones. Anchor.fm, Spotify, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts. All those uh, features there. Like us on Facebook, the Nine Other Wrestling Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Twitter, um, and just you know, keep listening. Uh, thank you all for your patience. Uh, thank you for dealing with me doing this one more time by myself. As you can see, I'm not necessarily in the groove when it comes to this kind of thing. When it comes to me being uh, by myself, but I hope you all guys all enjoyed it. Uh, we got a lot coming up uh, this coming up in the next couple weeks of pro wrestling. NXT, that NXT episode of last uh, later in December is looking like a lot of fun. Um, anyway, guys, uh, for Sean, uh, not Sean. <laughs> oh, forgive me. Oh, real quickly, John Morrison's back in the WWE. Good for him. Good for him. All right, I'm going to end it, guys. For CJ Palmasano, thank you for putting up with my ranting on this episode, and we will see you next time.